Well, good morning, Community Church. Good morning, everybody watching online. We want to welcome you this morning to our morning service here at Spruce Grove Community Church. We want to welcome all the visitors. Why don't we stand to our feet as we get ready to pursue our King, to pursue our Lord, to give Him all of our time, to give Him all of our attention, to give Him all of our focus. Why don't we just take our hands and put our hands in the air and let's just begin to separate ourselves from all the discussions, from all the things that went on this week, and let's just come before our King and begin to say, God, you are our amazing, amazing God. You love us so much. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your life. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you that you actually see everything going on in our life. And right now you're calling us just to come to the table. You're calling us to honor you. You're calling us to spend time with you right now. And so, Father, we choose to honor you through our worship. So let's just raise our voice as we sing. Let's begin to give him all the glory that he deserves in Jesus' name. Right now we're standing in a place where the Spirit of God is looking at us and we may be thinking, oh God, I need you to do this. I need you to come through in my life. I, we want to experience something here. But it's actually not on God because God is looking at us right now and he's wondering what kind of service we're going to have. He's not determining what's available. What he has made available is just there. And his question is, will these people come up into the greatest expression of the knowledge of the glory they have ever known, or will they settle into a consumer posture where they're waiting for service? And, you know, some of us don't have the capacity to do anything else, and that's, that's understandable. But most of us in this room, we know the presence of God. We know what it means to access his presence. We know we have the confidence that we are sons and daughters. So we're deciding right now what kind of service are we going to have this morning? Is this going to be a pinnacle moment for somebody in the room? Is this going to be a breakthrough moment where the anointing of God changes a life forever? Could this be the day of a quantum leap for you into things you've never seen or heard or felt? The potential is always in front of us. Oh God, we say we want more of you. We say you are able. You are able. We say let your power be manifest in this room today. Father, we pray this morning that we would find a new gear, a new capacity, a new bandwidth to love you with, to seek you with. Father, that we would find a wider path on the way to giving you all that you deserve. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, I'm going to answer some significant questions this morning. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Think might be might not be your questions. Might just be mine. But maybe you've been wondering, Pastor Mark, how come you never talk about anything new? <laughs> I actually don't get that question, but I feel that question in the room at times. And, uh, and it's not just from Brian. It's, it's from other people. It's, a, it's, it's great. Welcome, Brian. Great to see you. Anyway, that's a private joke. You know, my approach to church, my approach to your life as a believer is maybe a little bit different than what you're accustomed to. 
And the truth is there's, there's a myriad of things, subjects, themes that we could talk about when it comes to being a believer. And, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of interesting things. But what we're doing is we're actually building, we're building something here as a church and we're building something as into your life so that you can connect to what's being built in the church. And that has more to do with how you function than what you know. And so, you know, the, the illusion sometimes that overtakes the church is that having, being informed about a theme is as good as actually obeying that theme. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, oh, I know about patience. Well, that's great. I'm glad you know about patience. But are you patient? That's a question my wife asks me all the time. So anyway, so the reason why we don't, you know, make spend all this time making sure that you are fully versed in everything that is out there in the church is because we want to start from where we are in our obedience and build from there. And everything starts with our capacity to seek his presence. Ultimately, like this morning, as we begin to enter in here, I, I felt like, man, uh, it was renewed for me because I, I thought this could be the most amazing morning we have ever had. And, and you may think, well, why wasn't it? Why didn't God do that? Because of what I said earlier, God doesn't do those things. We do those things. He said, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And so he's trying to get us to draw near to him. So the question is for you, why don't you draw near to him? The answers are many. And so we try to touch on those from time to time without feeling like you're being picked on. I want to read a passage, and then I'm going to try and weave together a few things, and then I'm going to bring somebody up who has a testimony that hopefully weaves in with what I'm saying. And uh, we'll, see, we'll see how well that comes together. But the reality is, as I was saying, that, that every morning, every time we gather, whether it's a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning or sometime, we have an opportunity to see that mystical barrier between the natural and the supernatural disappear. We have an opportunity each time. You know, when we, when we read about Israel in the Old Testament, it says that a cloud by day went before them and a pillar by fire at night. There was a constant manifestation of something supernatural that went with them. And that, that capacity for that manifestation was built on what Paul said is a lesser covenant. In other words, they were operating on a lower tier than we're supposed to operate. The difference is God was babying them because they were like spiritual children. And so in the same way you cut your children's toast and you do absolutely everything for them, uh, you know, God was doing that for Israel. But what he's expecting from us is that we would come into an understanding of his heart, that we come into an understanding of his ways, that we could on purpose open the fridge and grab what we need, that we could actually engage in a relationship where it's not him always doing something for us, which he's willing to do in our immaturity. But his, his heartfelt desire is that you would become fully mature sons, fully mature uh, representatives of the kingdom of heaven. And so God in this journey is touching all the things that keep you from laying hold of your inheritance so you have an inheritance. So what does that inheritance look like? Where is it that we are going? Well, I was thinking about this, and again, I'm trying to weave to, together three or four ideas, and we'll see if we can land them. But I was thinking about superheroes. Anybody ever think about superheroes? You got this, I mean, you know, from the 60s and on forward, you've got, of course, Marvel Comics, and what's, what's the other one? There's... The, What's it called? DC. Yes, DC. Um, you know, Marvel and DVC. I have all these characters. But one of the things that distinguishes most of these characters is that what they exemplify is supernatural strength, supernatural abilities. Even right now with the whole X-Men craze that's happened over the last dozen or so years, you have, again, a revival of this concept that there are people on the earth that are endowed with supernatural abilities that make them distinct from everybody else. And, you know, there's a, actually probably a great 
allegorical picture of the kingdom of heaven and sons and everything in some of that picture and even how how the x-men are persecuted and all that but i'm, I'm not going to go into all that but it's very interesting it's very interesting but i want to i want to i want to talk about something it, when when paul is discipling the, the the corinthians in particular he's rebuking them because of their immaturity and and the basis on which his rebuke comes to them is you're acting like mere men you're acting like humans. You're acting like people. You, you're up and down. You're vacillating. You're, you're weak. You're, you're this and that and the other thing. In other words, he's saying, you are destined for more. And that's really what we have. We are destined for more. But what we can't seem to escape is the limitations of our humanity. See, we've been called, Peter says, to be partakers of the divine nature man think about that well who do you think you are i don't think i'm anything except that god has made it possible for me to participate in his divine nature and that according to hebrews chapter 6 i am meant to taste of the powers of the age to come you are meant to experience and taste the powers of the age to come so when you think about your life today, when you think about the ups and downs, the moments of doubt and weakness and depression and uh, however that weakness manifests in your life, whether it's jealousy or sin or depression, whatever it is, is that a manifestation of your humanity or is that a manifestation of your DNA as a, as a child of God? I think it's obvious, right? Well, here's the thing. Here's the impossible thing. Uh, you've got these two classes of beings in these movies, in these, in these themes, and in these stories. You have those that operate by supernatural power, and then you got everybody else, right? But I love this idea. The best of the best of the best of humankind, the Olympic athletes, the global, uh, you know, the best hockey players in the world, the, the strongest men competition, it, any of those men, Hussein Bolt, right? Fastest man on the earth. If there were X-Men, if there was something called the Flash, right? That guy that runs really, really fast. Okay, Hussein Bolt would not hold a candle. I mean, he would, he would not even begin to touch what the Flash could do. Strongest man in the world. Somebody strong here? Anybody strong here? Anybody consider themselves strong? No? Yeah, Drew, Drew's pretty strong. Yeah, Brian, Brian's strong, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, I don't care how strong you are. If we match you up against the Hulk, you are puny human. <laughs> right? I mean... Because, because the incremental increase that comes to your life, if you give yourself fully in all kinds of discipline to exercise, to eating right, to doing the weights, to running, I don't care what kind of things you put yourself through. One, one bite of a uh, Peter Parker radioactive spider will turn you into something that you could never be by thousands and thousands of hours of training now of course this is all fiction but it speaks it mirrors something that we are called to you are not supposed to be a normal person living from success to defeat and defeat to de defeat you are meant to thrive you are meant to overcome you are meant to exemplify a kingdom you are meant to epitomize a quality of an overcomer like the earth has never seen. And my job really is to keep setting that, that bar higher and higher and higher. And people say, well, Pastor Mark, it's really hard. I'm trying to be just a regular good person. I don't care what you're trying to be. If you're failing, you're doing it wrong. Right? Because this is not about entering that world of the diligent athlete where we do everything perfectly and efficiently. This is about tapping into something that's higher than human potential. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? So what faith does is enables you to tap into something that all your diligence could never acquire. That's the promise of faith. God is saying, listen, I couldn't turn you into another man. I can turn you into another woman. And yeah, you can spend your life micromanaging every single desire if you could have perfect mastery over every restraint and able to not say the wrong thing perfectly your whole life you've still fallen miles short of the destiny that comes if only the power of the glory of the resurrected Christ would just explode out of your being the difference is the same difference between Peter Parker and Spider-Man between whoever that doctor's name is and Hulk. What's the doctor's name? Bruce Banis. Bruce, your brother, yeah. You wish. (laughs) So... This is the way we're framing this thing. I'm not here hoping you're going to be a better person in the human sense. I, my highest ideal for you is not for you to stop lying. My highest ideal for you is to not be, just stop being jealous or stop, you know, being able to hide your jealousy. My highest ideal for you is much, much higher, a quantum leap higher than the very best behaved person in the world. We are not here about creating well-behaved people. We are here creating supernatural people. That's what the kingdom of heaven is about, sons of God. What creation is looking for is not well-behaved Christians whose orthodoxy is correct, who can quote the right scriptures and say the right things at the right moments, who lift their hands and know when to dance. And I mean, all those things are a part of it, but that behavior, that behavior alone is far short of what God envisions for you. And when he put a supernatural DNA inside of you, that's like his spiritual spider bite, radioactive spider bite. There's power in that thing to turn you into another man and another woman. And that's what we are moving into. That's what we are longing for. Does that mean behaving better? Yes, but not by the means of suppressing your wrong, your wrong desires. It's by changing them. In the meantime, yes, you do suppress them. But that, that suppressing of them cannot be mistaken for real Christianity. That's just, a, that's just a, if you are suppressing evil desires, good. That's only a sign of your sincerity. right that's all it is but there's something higher there's a promise God is saying listen what if I could visit you today what if today could be the breakthrough moment when you're never the same never ever the same Uh, and we see this passage in Saul in Saul's life where he's he's walking along and and the prophet finds him and says God's going to turn you into another man and God comes on him and turns him into another man. We know that that didn't stick because he didn't want it, but the potential is still there. When the, when the disciples, these lowly fishermen, you know, walked with Jesus for three years, and then when the Holy Spirit came on them in Acts chapter 2, they were turned into other men and women. They had tasted previously, leading up to that moment, elements of the kingdom of heaven, elements of the anointing of God, but when that thing fell on them in Acts chapter 2, suddenly they were catapulted into a sphere of ministry that shook the nations. What if that was a potential for you? And you think, well, I'm nobody. That's who God chooses. That's who God's looking for. The qualifications for this are not based on your intelligence. They're not based on your experience. They're not based on whether you went to Bible school or not. They're based on whether your heart can grab a hold of what God has promised by faith. That's the only thing between you here and there. And so... We have this scenario where we're being stuck all the time in this, uh, this world of, of uh, lack, and God is saying, there's more, there's more, there's more.
So anyway, we, we had a, an experience, well, not we, somebody, had an experience this last week, which I'm going to have her come up and share it, because I think it's a picture, a prophetic picture, of something God has been trying to communicate to us. And to me, it's a sign that it's not just me, which is great. <laughs> I mean, I have some nice thoughts, but I'm not really here to represent my thoughts. I'm here to represent God's desire for your life what he wants to bring you into. And so Tareen had an experience, and I'll let her, you know, share it, and hopefully the pictures are there to demonstrate. Come on up, Tareen. Tareen hasn't preached yet, but I'm sure she will, right? Because you are an overcomer, right? You have the Spirit of God. The resurrection power of Jesus is inside of you. Hey, everyone. It's funny that Mark asked me to come talk about this because partly I'm so over it. But as I sit here and as I talk about it a little bit more, I realize he's right. It is very significant. And it is um, it's an amazing picture of so many things. So I just pray that you guys would get the revelation that God wants to bring in this story because there are so many levels of the way the kingdom works and how we work in that. Um, on Friday morning, I woke up and my kids got up. We got, we got up to get ready for school and I was going to come over to the church. We had no power. Um, well, we sort of had power. The lights were like dimming and fizzing out, which is, if anyone knows anything about power, that's a really bad sign. It's worse than having no power. And we had no water. So anyone had no water before? Okay. Some of you guys know. Um, so that, that obviously is just puts a dent in the morning. So we're all trying to get ready and get out the door with no power and no water. Um, and I just think, I'm going to go to the church. I'm going to go to prayer, deal with this later. So I drop the girls at school, and I come to prayer. And on my way in, I think, oh, I'm just going to phone Fortis, get them to come out and check our meter, right, just see if there's an outage. And so I phone Fortis, and they send a guy over while I'm coming here to prayer. So I come to prayer. We start praying on Friday mornings, like that happens. And sure enough, we go into quite a repentance-type morning. So we're in, like, a deep repentance of different things. And um, I'm just sitting there, and I get a phone call. So I think, oh, I better go answer this, right? So I run out the door, and the guy from Fortis is like, hey, so I'm checking out your meter, and uh, (laughs) looks all good here. You're getting power to your house, but from your meter, one of your lines I'm reading zero, and the other one is reading the 125. So 110 line. So he says, the fault is on your side. I'm just like, Jesus, is this you? <laughs> like, it's just so obvious. And so I was like, sorry, what do you mean? And he said, I, well, I'm, the fault is on your side. It's in your land. It's on your side. It's not something I can deal with. So any, any of you guys that know me know that my husband works up north half the year. And of course, it's while he's away, this happens. So he's gone, and I don't actually know the steps of what to do to, to fix this. So I just say to Fortis, like, what do I do now? And he said, well, try to get an electrician and test your panel. So <laughs> we finish up prayer, and I actually shared a lot about this at prayer. Um, and we went into just more repentance kind of prayer. And when I got home... I called, I tried to get a lot of electricians in, and it was hard to find someone on a Friday of a long weekend, let me just say. Um, A guy came, tested my panel, and he said, it's not your panel, it's not in your house. It's somewhere between the house and the road. And uh, anyone who owns an acreage or knows what that means is a huge deal. And so for me, honestly, personally, I have never had this problem I've never seen anyone deal with this problem. I've taken on a lot of problems before in my life, but never this. And so I was just like, this feels too big, (laughs) right? Um, But sure enough, thank God, all the guys I talked to were really helpful. The electrician that came to my house on Friday spent a lot of time working things out and uh, didn't charge me. But he did say that I would pay later. (laughs) So I was like, ugh. Um... So anyway, as it turns out, long story short, I had a company come in and thump my line and find where the fault was. 
and they actually pinpointed it exactly. I don't know if you guys can show the picture of the, of the grass spray painted it. It's really interesting. They found exactly where it was in the middle of my yard, uh, right in front of my chicken coop. And uh, it's just funny. It looks like X marks the spot for treasure. But it's not really treasure. It's like hell is under that. And I have no idea what to do. And so they mark it, and that's all they do. That's what I pay them for. And then he says to me, so you're going to have to dig this up like about three feet wide by about six feet long. And I'm just like, okay. I've never dug up a line. And if anyone knows anything about digging, you don't want to hit the line with a shovel. You got to be careful. So I called Jimmy like 18 times, I think, that day. And he was just like, you know, if I need to fly home, whatever. I'm like, I'm going to do this. So I just started digging. And I actually texted Henry. And I was like, I'm doing this. If you can come help me. And so he thought he'd come by in a couple hours or whatever and see if he could help me. So I started digging away. If you want to go to the next picture. Anyone know what that looks like? <laughs> I, I, I did lay down in it. I tried. <laughs> so back to the symbolism here. This is where the problem is. The power that flows from the road couldn't flow to my home. And so there was a fault somewhere. And so I literally had to dig a grave to expose it. Is anyone getting some symbolism there? So I, I dug it up, found the huge like bulge in the line where it exploded, and of course had somebody else come in and repair it. And so for the weekend, uh, from Friday until actually Wednesday, we had no power or water. And so living with no power or water is inconvenient, and to say the least, I guess, right? If you guys want to know all the details on what we did, I could tell you later, but uh, just like thinking about all the people who live without the power and the flow of life that comes from the throne, it's inconvenient, it's hard, and it's not easy and I think, like, the grave is significant. Dying to yourself and, and laying down your life to those awful things in our lives, the sin that, that brings the fault, is one thing. But I really believe that the powerful thing in this is the, the flow of power, that there was a fault in the flow of power, and it wasn't in the power coming to the, my house. It's like the flow of power in the Lord. That when, when we don't operate out of the power of God, it's not God, it's the fault is in us, right? And sometimes it's quite a big deal to repair. And honestly, for me, this was a huge challenge. I definitely had hesitations where I sat at my table and I just zoned out. I was like, this is just too much. But every step of the way, I had help. And I remember the guy, Fortis, he said, I know a guy that you can call. And so I called that guy and he came and then he said to me, I know a guy that can repair this now. The only thing I had to do was dig. And so every step of the way I had help, and I do believe the Holy Spirit helps us when we start taking the steps, uh, whether it's in fear, hesitation, or just the unknown. And so, yeah, I just, I think it's really significant. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Thank you. What a great testimony, eh? Have, have a seat. When she shared that story with me, the words stuck out immediately. When he said, the fault is on your side. I mean, you may have heard that a time or two here. <laughs> so I thought, you know, this is, this is like a prophetic reinforcement of the message from heaven. God is saying to us, listen, I've got stuff available for you and everything on my end is working. Everything that I said I was giving you, I have provided. If you're not experiencing it, the fault is on your side. The fault is not on my side. So we like to, you know, we hear that as Christians, but we're like, well, you know, maybe it's a matter of timing. You know, in other words, I'm not really responsible for the lack right now. It's This will take care of itself sometime in the future. Yeah, kind of like if Tareen had waited longer then the power would have restored itself. <laughs> no, waiting is, is, is waiting 
Actively waiting is a part of the, the, uh, the behavior. In other words, you have to actually do something. But just waiting and passing the time and hoping things are going to change without doing something is not going to make a difference. And that's the message. The fault is on your side. But the sooner you get at this, the quicker it's going to be fixed. It was interesting to me that it wasn't like there was no power. Right? The, the power was phasing in and out. It was unstable. Oh, man. Talk about an indictment on the Christian life that we've lived, right? The power in my life is unstable. I have peaks and valleys. Do you have peaks and valleys? We have peaks and valleys. And what the Spirit of God is trying to tell us is the, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hello. I, I don't change. I don't have peaks and valleys. My desire towards you has not changed. My commitment towards you has not changed. My faithfulness towards you has not changed. My supply has not changed for you. And so if there's any incremental difference in what you're experiencing tomorrow, yesterday, to today, it's, it's all on your side. The fault is on your side. And that, if that creates shame in our life, if you feel like a failure because of that, that in itself is an indicator. Because that's part of what keeps us from experiencing his presence is shame and a performance mindset that makes us feel like failures when we're not fully measuring up. I mean, how many of you would ever make your, your two-year-old child who's just learning to walk feel like a failure, failure if they stumbled? No, what do you do? You celebrate every effort. The Spirit of God is celebrating every effort on your way to a stable power source. But the enemy is there to shame you and accuse you and belittle you along the way, to make you feel discouraged so that you give up. So to that end, God's not going to do this. He's not going to change the requirement. He's not going to change the standard. He's not going to change the expectation that you can look like this. So the same rebuke, the same assessment, the same expectation Paul had of the first Corinthian believers, you, you should be acting not like mere men. You should be acting like supernatural, anointed, overcomers, sons of God. You've been made a new creation. You were born again. That means you got tapped into the heavenly grid. And you need to behave differently. And if you can't behave differently, you need to find where the disconnect is. That's the issue. That's always the issue. Why are you being disconnected? What is causing that to happen? How come you're in and out? Why is the power levels phasing up and down? So we have this scripture in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. And I'm going to wrap this up in a couple minutes here, I think. Oh, no, I got lots of time. In Hebrews 10, you know, Hebrews 10, uh, well, the whole book of Hebrews is, is about this issue. It's about, uh, let, me, let me back up. Everything you experience, the first century believers experienced. The instability, the frustration, the, the, the failure, the weakness, the, uh, the unsustainability of the requirement, all of that stuff they've all had. But in the case of the Hebrews, they were actually backsliding. They were leaving the faith. They were, they were saying, you know what, we expected this would be easier. This would happen sooner. And so they were becoming discouraged, and they were quitting. And so to that end, they were given an exhortation. And I'd like to share the whole book, but, you know, let's, let's stick with this portion, this tiny portion in Hebrews 10 in verse 36. This is what it says. Uh, actually, I'll start reading in 35. He says, therefore, do not cast away... Your confidence, which has great reward. Say, so listen, don't quit. Don't stop. Just because it's hard, just because you feel like a failure, that's the enemy trying to amplify things that don't belong inside it. There's no shame in venturing and getting partway there. I love, years ago I heard this guy, and he said, you know, he said, I'd rather, I'd rather go for 100% and hit 80 than go for 10% and get it. But, you know, there's something in our ego that's satisfied with getting 10% and making it. Somehow we feel like we, are, we have accomplished more than the person who, was going, who talked like they were going to go for 90 and only got 80. Right? Nobody wants an egg on their face, so to speak. 
So, so he's saying, listen, keep going. Keep going. Don't cast away your confidence. In verse 36, this is what he says. For you have need of endurance. <laughs> Father, you have need of endurance. There are promises that God has put in front of you. There's destiny. Some of you have parked prophetic words that God spoke over you. Things that God whispered into your ear 40 years ago when you first became a Christian. Are you walking in the fullness of those things or have you given up on the dream of them? Have, are you still believing? Do you still anticipate? I, I remember as a young Christian visualizing and seeing meetings that were going to happen. I just knew that I knew that I knew that these kinds of meetings were happening. They're over the top, so powerful, so amazingly glorious, where the presence of God would fill stadiums. And I'm expecting those things to happen. But you know, as you go along and the years pass by, the decades pass by, you start to think, you know what? We've done some pretty good things. And, and, you know, we could quit here and still, you know, be better than a lot of others. You know, have accomplished, have touched more promises than others. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where we fit in that proverbial pecking order. If God has destined you for this, you can't be satisfied with anything less. And you may think, well, I don't have the promise of an amazing destiny. I, I beg to differ. Yes, you do. I don't care what role you think you are meant to play in this whole thing. Walking like mere men is not one of the options. So he's saying, listen, don't give up. Don't give up. For you have need of endurance that when you have done the will of God, you may, be, you may receive what is promised. God is wanting you to receive what is promised. So he's saying, don't give up. Well, don't give up what? Don't give up. Keep pressing on. Don't give up in this journey. Don't, don't change. Don't lower the bar for yourself. Don't, don't make yourself feel, well, I guess I'll never overcome my addiction to pornography. I guess I'll never, you know, stop hating people. I guess I'll have to live with this murderous rage inside of me my whole life. This journey, accomplishing, reaching those promises, is based on an expectation and a hope. It starts with a hope. And if you give up on that hope, you will never reach the promise. So the same exhortation for this. He's, listen, he's not saying have shame for where you have not fulfilled the promises, where you've not been obedient. He said, no, leave that. But he says, just don't quit. Don't quit. That's all he said. Just don't quit. You will win if you just don't quit. That's the message God is trying to give us. But there's, there's something inside of us that, that, that ah, you know, the idea of a gap, the, the, the idea of a missing element alone is humiliating to us. The possibility that we're not doing it right. Even the notion. When I talk to some people, I'm always amazed. You know, if I hint that they're not doing it perfectly, there's this sense of uh, failure and defeat. And I'm thinking, ah, uh, hold it a second. Did you not know that you were falling short? <laughs> like, is this a surprise? I mean, the whole, the whole thing is built on this concept. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we are not here to set up an idolatrous picture of some well-behaved person. He's saying, listen, you've fallen short of the glory of God. The image, the express image of the Father, the, the, uh, the, the, be, the ability to act and be like the Father, like Jesus was, to manifest the glory of God in the earth is your destiny. To abandon that is to abandon the promise. And yet for years and years and years, the religious spirit would bite at anybody who thought, who do you think you are that you can be better than us? We're just lowly sinners. We're worms. We're going to, you know, we're going to wiggle in the dirt until one day, hopefully, we'll make it to heaven. No, that's not the, that's not the destiny. The destiny is stop acting like mere men. Humans, great humans, the best of humans, the supernatural human, the sons of God. We cannot 
remain satisfied with meager improvements in behavior. We're looking for a divine moment where, like Bruce Banner, we're changed into another man. Where, like these X-Men, we begin to exhibit supernatural abilities. Well, how do you do that? That's the beautiful part. You don't know. And you don't get there because you know. You get there because you want to know. Because you won't give up on the dream and the vision and the promise of stepping into something, tasting of the powers of the age to come. I mean, let me, let me say this again. You are called, listen to these words, to taste of the powers of the age to come. The glorious king, the ancient of days, Jesus Christ will inherit the, the nations who will rule for eternity is looking for co-heirs. And he's saying, this is what you're destined for. And you're learning to do that right here and right now, not when you go to heaven. And so this is what he says. You know, if you follow that, you can read it through 10, 36, right to the end of the chapter. But then he goes into chapter 11. And this is what he says. He says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The bottom line at the end of the day is that there's a faith that will propel you into seeking for more of God. There is a faith that is available, that develops and grows in your heart that says, I'm not going to stop till the day I die, leaning into the DNA of the, my heavenly king, leaving into the potential of not just more patience, not just good behavior, but divine nature. I want divine nature. I don't want to be just a better person. I don't want to just look, you know, fit in the church. I want to fit into heaven. I want to walk amongst the stones of the of, of the the high places with God as a son of God. I want to be where I'm destined to be. That's what the divine nature is about. You don't get that by suppressing your sin. You get that by acquiring something else, something different, something transformative, something cataclysmically over above everything that we've tasted now. That's why we're going from glory to glory. Glory to glory. So hopefully this explains a few things. I hope it explains why when I'm here and I'm not traveling and maybe it's a break when I'm not here, but when I'm here, I, I, I just see what's possible. I just, I just see, you know what? This could be the morning. This could be the moment. If we came in hungry, if we came in, God, I just absolutely need you more than anything else. I'm going to passionately worship you. Like, I don't care. Like, any, if who's looking, I'm going to dance. I'm going to shout. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to desire you. I'm going to give you my full attention. So I ask those things of you, not because I need to be served by them, but I know that your future breakthroughs are contingent upon the power, the basis the breadth with which you seek him. The fullness of your desire for him will determine what you get. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. His reward was written about this regarding Abraham. Abraham said, you are my exceeding and great reward. What we're looking for at the end of the day is more of him. Oh, you might, you might get something that's tantalizing along the way. You might get a, a new unction of the Holy Spirit, new goosebumps. You know, you might have a vision. You might prophesy. You might share effectively your faith. And those are great things. Those are evidences that you're coming in to something of that divine nature. But it's not the fullness. I pray today that we'll we'll not we'll wipe away every other lower expectation everything we might settle for don't settle for well I'm a pretty good christian you're not called to be a pretty good christian you're called to be a son and a daughter of the most high you're called to be impervious to darkness you're called to be a hub 
of a, a center of the manifestation of the glory of God for your neighborhood and for your family and for your workplace. That's what you're called to be. And until we're experiencing that in, in measures beyond our imagination, we're not done. And so I'm here just reminding you of this. You're not done. We're not done. We want more. I want to be free. I want to overcome. So Father, today, uh, we just say, Lord, that we, uh, we want to renew. Can we stand up together? We want to renew today, Lord, that expectation. We want to renew that lease on the promise of God. You know, if you've ever, if you have Netflix and you download a movie onto your iPad or something on Netflix uh, or some other service, that, that thing has a time, a, life, a lifeline, and at some point it expires. And in order to get it back, you have to renew the lease of it. And uh, there are promises that have come down on your life at certain times. They may have been 40 years ago. They may have been last year when you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They may have been 10 years ago when you were first born again. But there are promises that have faded from your life in the same way that faded text movie title fades on your Netflix app. And God is saying it's time today to renew the lease. It's time to renew. It's time to rekindle the fire of expectation that says tomorrow, today, the next prayer, the next meeting, the next time I lift my hands, the next time that I'm pursuing God, the next time I read my Bible could be a life-transforming moment for me from which I'll never again turn back from. Let me share one little picture. I was watching this series alone. It's, uh, it's these people that go out and you're in the wilderness for months at a time. And it starts with 10 and it goes down. The final person wins $500,000. But it's really interesting to me. There's two guys left and they were so homesick and they were so tired of being hungry. And they were so, I mean, everything was so difficult when you're out there making everything yourself and living by yourself and no people. It's, it's really trying. But here's the thing. They didn't know how close they were. So there was two left, and, and the, one, the one who gave up did not know there was only one other participant. He did not know he was only a day away from $500,000 and, and seeing his family. This is the nature of this walk. Your breakthrough could be just around the corner. I wonder how many, how many miners who, who labored panning rivers will one day discover as they stand before God and they, they see history that the mother load was only feet away. That when they were digging that tunnel or that mine or that place that had they just persevered a tiny little bit more, they would have been wealthy beyond their imagination. God is saying, listen, there's a promise not far from where you are right now. A transformative moment that you've been longing for your whole life. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. The promise is if you seek, you will find. The promise is this. God has not given up on you and the fault is not on his side. The fault is all on your side. But if you pursue him, you will find so, Father, we say today, renew the lease in this room, all over this room, God. We say, let discouragement fall. God, let, let that passivity that has overtaken our lives, Lord, where we've supplanted, uh, where we've, we've exchanged pursuing your presence for pursuing something in athleticism, something in our career, something in the realm of finances, wherever we have exchanged the pursuit of your presence for any other accomplishment. We say, God, reorient us today to the eternal promise. God, to the eternal promise. And let Spruce Grove community be known for a place where overcomers are formed, where supernatural men and women emerge, and we don't know why. 
But out of that place are suddenly coming men and women of extraordinary power and influence and authority. God, let this be a place of anointing and transformation. We pray in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. This is the destiny of this house, and this is your destiny. So our motto, and if you want to check out what we do, it's overcomewithgood.ca. You can check out eHost Stadios. Ask Aileen how to say eHost Stadios. She does my books, and she's always wondering what we, how to say it. I'll say it how English people say it. Hijos de Dios. Hijos de Dios. So you can look on Facebook and, and see what we do. We love this church. Uh, we love the people here. And uh, we love to see uh, that you can go out. You can receive from God 24 hours a day and be transformed. And I want to finish with this. The scripture that I've chose to represent, I think, my life is... I encourage you to read Romans chapter 12. Read the whole thing. I did it this morning. Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. I like the way the Spanish say it better. They add a word. Vence con el bien. Overcome with the good. God is good. There's a, you want a supernatural, supernatural superhero Uh, attribute goodness goodness will always overcome kindness will always overcome so as you uh, so I'm going to leave it with that overcome with good and bless you as uh, we're going to head out this uh, Thursday hopefully (laughs) that's the plan so Well, we're going to pray for these guys. I'm going to ask just our leadership team to come on up, and I'm going to ask my brother right there. Come on. I know you want to pray for him. We need a few amen, amens, right, with Patrick. So I'm going to ask Patrick just to pray over him, right? And uh, we welcome you, Patrick. Amen, amen. Dear God, I thank you. I praise you, God. You are God who have called them. You are God who showed them the place in Guatemala to go and serve you, God. I call you your God who answers. You are God who have been in those all the programs which they are doing. You are God who have showed the miracle. You are God who is healing people who are sick. God, I pray greatness to be upon them, God. That whoever they stand in front is going to be blessed even before they, they open up their mouth. God, I pray for each and everybody who saw into this ministry so that you can bless them. God, it's so clear in the Bible it says that whatever we are doing, it's not just a blessing to us. It will be generational blessing. God, may you bless this family. May you bless the family in this, in this community. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.